0: Thrive Leadership Podcast in three, two, cue music. This is the Thrive Leadership Podcast. Podcast. It's a place to connect you to nationally acclaimed leaders, their insights, and ideas on how to help you thrive in every area of 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 your life. On today's episode, Bob Goff.
1: The idea is that we're not trying to build consensus, we're trying to build a kingdom. And I just don't want everybody to be like on the same page. I really want somebody to be on their own page. And then we staple our pages together, knowing that the last page of everybody's book will be at the feet of Jesus.
0: Now, your hosts, Brad Lominick and CJ Alvarado. Welcome back to the Thrive Leadership Podcast. We're present people, we're here, we're on the journey. CJ Alvarado. Brad Lominick. We're in the captain's chairs. That's right. We're taking this flight all the way to Bob Goffville. Bob Goffville is
2: unlike any other ville. It's a fairy tale land that I would like it's, to hang out in. I want to live there. Yes. I mean, I'm wondering what real estate goes for in Bob Goffville. Good question. Yeah. This is an amazing interview. Yeah.
0: But. What kind of lots are available in the, in in, in <laughs> Goffville? We got any lots available in right. Goffville? Condos. What, yeah. What realtor yeah. could hook us up with a right. corner lot there That's in right, Goffville? <laughs> That's right. I'm so excited for all of our listeners, the Thrive community, to get to sit in on the conversation we got to have with Bob, which was typical Bob Goff. And not that I know the typical Bob Goff, but I've been around Bob enough to just hear him tell stories and see the impact he's had on people. And that was just a little glimpse into who's truly Bob. Right. And he really is this caricature of himself that we build up in our mind. If you've read the book Love Does, if you've Heard Bob speak, if you've been at a distance from Bob and thought, oh, come on. For real? Like, is that the real thing? Right. Okay, he put his cell phone in his book. Does he really <laughs> answer it? Yeah. And the answer
2: is yes. Does he really go to Disneyland every yes. Wednesday
0: from 10 to 2
2: or whatever it is? Brad, I had one of those moments where I don't I don't know Bob very well. I know you know him. So this was like one of my first up close and personal with him and had that feeling at one point in this interview this guy can't be for real. And by the end of it, I'm going, goodness, this guy is the real deal.
0: Yeah. So great. You meet people who you're inspired by, you meet people who challenge you, you meet people who encourage you, you meet people who frustrate you or or they get at the things that you see in yourself, which you're frustrated by. And Bob kind of does all those things. Mm -hmm. But with this caper, with this mischief, with this mindset of life, the best way I would describe it is as childlike in the best possible form. Yeah. And the first time I met Bob was actually at a at an event where Donald Miller was speaking, and Bob came with Don to hang out and just sort of be in Don's entourage. Yeah. And Bob was hugging everybody. And at that point, nobody knew who Bob was. This was, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, maybe 10 years ago. And Bob at that point was very well known in his little circle But among, you know, sort of at least my friends, nobody knew who Bob was. And the Bob now that everybody knows, the best-selling author Bob Goff and the speaker at every conference Bob Goff, that's the same Bob that I met with Don Miller backstage in an event. And we'd never talked to each other and he gave me a big old bear hug, Bob Goff style. (laughs) And he was the same Bob. It's refreshing when you watch somebody get moved into a place of great influence. Still be the same person. Still be the
2: same person. That's awesome. From this podcast, Bob shares some nuggets that I feel every leader needs to hear. It feels counter-cultural in a lot of ways, even among Christian leaders. I feel like what Bob tries to put on the table in this interview is challenging. And that's why I think every leader needs to hear. It. He digs into it in some ways of how we're dealing with difficult personalities, the many expressions of, of the people that may be within our communities and how to deal with it. I love it. So if you're on your
0: bike, if you're on that jog, if you're on the treadmill, if you're on those roller skates, uh, on Santa Monica Boulevard, <laughs> if you're on the elliptical machine, you know, if you're, uh, lifting weights right now, if you're mowing the lawn, you may be on a tractor. You may be in the car driving from, uh, red dirt, Iowa over to, uh, sandblast, Nebraska. <laughs> But whatever you're doing right now, you're going to enjoy this conversation because CJ and I both did. This is our sit down with the man, the myth, the legend, Bob Goff. It's great to have Bob Goff in the house here at the Thrive Leadership Conference. And my background with you sort of crosses over all kinds of different tribes and people and the Catalyst world. And I'm helping Thrive a little bit here and there and doing this podcast with CJ, which is a lot of fun. So I love showing up in places where people are like, wait, Brad,
1: what are you doing here? And I saw you earlier, and you were like,
0: wait, what are you doing here at Thrive? This It'll be is- like
1: that when I get to heaven. Be like, Bob, what are you doing here? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I thought you were a lawyer. <laughs> but you're, you're, you're such a crosser over of so many different friend networks. And in many ways, I feel like you know, one of the things you bring to the table among lots of talent and skills and things you're doing is that you connect people and you say, hey, here's my friend. And here's another friend that you don't know, but these two friends like need to know each other. Mm -hmm. And then you walk away. Yeah.
1: Isn't that crazy? It's that kid's book, Stone Soup, you know? And they start with a big kettle and all it's got is a couple stones in the bottom. And then each person, they like add their carrots and their beets. And then pretty soon everybody's fed. It really feels like that. And it feels like that with this huge family, this worldwide family of friends that all together, we all know that we make one really cool person, (laughs) but it takes all of us. Right, and so everybody brings their game. They bring their carrots, and they throw them in, and everybody gets fed. So I'm just delighted that we're in the same place. If I'm in like within ten feet of the blast radius of your kind of like (laughs) love, I'm like that's good. I remember one of the things that
0: anytime I'm around Bob, CJ, and I'm sure this is true for lots of people, but for me, I'm always like catching the Bobisms. And there should be a book, by the way. (laughs) There kind of is, you know. I mean, Love Does is sort of a Bobism book, but you know, one of the things you said way back when I first met you was, no, just pull your boat up next to other people's boats.
1: Mm. Yeah, that idea of just rafting up. Yeah. Bow line, stern line, you don't have to build all this infrastructure. We're just like swinging on the anchor together for tonight. Then tomorrow we just move on and do these things. begin The idea is that we're not trying to build consensus, we're trying to build a kingdom. So sometimes I know in the business world and some of the other relationships that if you try to just get everybody to agree on something, and I just don't want everybody to be like on the same page. I really want somebody to be on their own page. And then we staple our pages together. It's like rafting up, knowing that the last page of everybody's book we're at the feet of Jesus. So we're just talking about the second to last page, maybe the third to last page. Like, What are we going to write into each other's stories right now and then not be the sheriff like when somebody does something kind of wonky we just like i just assume god's up to some stuff in their life and i don't understand it but i'm not the guy that's calling balls and strikes i'll just be like loving them and i saw that there was a fellow who um had lost a child and um and there was a person i think was still working out some stuff in their own life and they said i know exactly how you feel my dog died too and you know this person said with all the grace uh, that uh, the earth could contain, he said, tell me what your dog's name was. Hmm. Isn't that beautiful? So if hmm. we could just like when somebody does something kind of awkward or lame to just think, what's the, mo- what's the most beautiful reaction I could have to that? Instead of like a feeling all heard. And- so I'm just constantly... Impress. I'm seeing that in your life and the lives of the people around me. I see how they conduct themselves. And to say that helps me live into the man that I hope I'll be someday. I love that. One of the big missions for Thrive
2: is just healthy leaders. And how do you encourage you know, leaders, though, that go, there's so much uncertainty with that?
1: Well, ambiguity is my friend.
2: <laughs> I mean, we, yeah. go,
1: we go everywhere together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've been hanging out for 58 years. Right. And so some people aren't wired to enjoy ambiguity, that it actually is very unsettling for them. And so it starts out by knowing how you're wired. How did you come from the factory? And then where does God want to lead you next? Like just because you've been uptight in the past doesn't mean you have to be uptight in the future. But to say like, what's the next version of me? Sweet Maria is hoping that old Bob is on the bus and she can't wait for the next kindest, humbler version of me. And so for leaders that are feeling like the ambiguity of the circumstances are dogging them, maybe they thought of like kind of the next version of them. A few years from now, if you could just kind of cast that one forward, you'd see that like this actually isn't such a big deal. It's hard in the moment though. Sure.
0: How would you describe yourself from a leadership perspective? And this is a leadership podcast, but somebody said, Bob, what kind of leader are you?
1: It's a benevolent dictator. Hmm. I'm just a really low key. My perception is I'm pretty low maintenance. Guy, but we don't spend a lot of time deciding what hill we're going up. We just decide go up the hill. I don't want to have a lot of conversations about it, and I want to talk to the guy that wrote that uh, terrific book when helping hurts. That's terrific, but I I just hope that millions of people weren't thrown off the scent because nobody wants to hurt anybody, and so they stopped helping. And what we do is we substitute hoping for helping, Mm. and hoping isn't helping. Hoping is just hoping, and so what our brains tell us. Is when we're really hoping for something that our brains say you're really helping, but I just want to have like a that benevolent dictatorship model to say let's just go help, and then somebody will say here's four things you need to change about that. I'm just really not interested in those four, they're, and I just assume they're right. I don't want to assume they're wrong. I go like probably really smart guy, but I just want to be so busy getting it done that I don't want to spend. I'm not trying to make a term paper here. I just want like somebody to not die. Um, so. One of the things is to just knowing that it's stone soup that the person they're throwing their carrots into and that's terrific no judgment in that but I just I finding out how everybody's feeling about everything it wouldn't be my strong suit I'm not against it if that's working for you that's great but I feel like I just want to make some moves because a lot of times you spend all this time planning it and not that much time doing it And so whatever I can write on the back of a barf bag on the way to Somalia, that's the plan. (laughs) I love it. I think a lot of people, too, would
0: say, man, if I could only hang out with Bob Goff one day. So, So many people have read your books. They look at your life and they go, wow, if I was friends with Bob, that would sort of make my life complete. So what's a normal Bob Goff day
1: Look like? Is there a normal Bob Goff day? Yeah, I was thinking about how when you talked about this, making our lives complete, I've heard that from couples that they say, like, he completes me or she completes me. And I really have this underlying premise that Jesus completes us, that we don't complete one another. And so when there have been folks that I've thought, wow, they're really interesting, then that's just terrific. And knowing that Jesus completes us, and then we get to meet people along the way. and that were totally accessible. You you want to see me? Go to Disneyland on (laughs) Wednesdays from 10 to 2. I'm literally there every Wednesday. And there'll be 10 people waiting. It's awesome. (laughs) So a normal uh, day for me is usually has to do with visiting with people. Like I'll go somewhere almost every day and visit with people. And that's really informed by the next guy. It's like the next version of me is going to be a grandpa. He's not going to be with anybody. And so back that up. You could pick your life and then backfill your career and what you do as a day job behind that, rather than a lot of people pick their career and then backfill their life with whatever's left over. And I just want to say who do I wanna be? Grandpa. What what am I gonna do? Be available and be home. So what am I gonna do now? Be with everybody. But I usually get home for supper. Today we had lunch together, then I zipped up here, but I don't miss many meals with sweet Maria. We share a car, not because we're going green. We just like we like having things in common, right? That's what I'm trying to do. Like, that's a simple version of how we're understanding marriage and this relationship is just have more things in common. So we share this old suburban we've had since the kids were in kindergarten, and, um, and it's terrific. So we spent 20 hours in it yesterday mm-hmm. going to these different places to visit with people. It's terrific. I had a great time.
0: Are you a different father <laughs> with your kids being grown than you were in the house
1: teenagers and yeah i think i get more direction when uh the kids were under the roof about what we were going to do like the boys and i we all bought harleys and uh we didn't know how to ride them but we bought them and we rode from mexico to canada by the time we got to san francisco we knew how to change gears and everything so that would have been
0: one gear for uh, totally (laughs) we just wound that thing
1: right up um but so that would have been, like, my idea uh, when the kids were, you know, high school age. But now they're all out of college. Two of the three of them are married. And so it's really just kind of fitting in to what they're doing. I just want to find, navigate, it just be that fun dad who, like, pops in, super low maintenance. And one of the things that drives a lot of the way that we do life together is this idea, 100% kindness, 0% drama. Mm. Like, what will make great daytime TV will make a lousy life. So we just try to not have a lot of drama in the relationship with Sweet Maria. She's never raised her voice or said a crossword to me in the 35 years I've loved her or the 32 she's loved me back. And it's a target-rich environment. I mean, there's plenty of things. <laughs> <laughs> That's hard to believe, Bob. But it's just, like, zero drama. And if she can speak her piece, she say, this This is, what, uh, is how I felt or I did. But we have these just, like, very honest conversations are really, it's been beautiful. And you get to decide in your family and in the relationships that matter to me, how are you going to go? And I would pick 100% kindness, 0% drama. Mm. If you feel like drama, like just snuck into the room, just call it out. It's a trespasser, like you, How I just want to get back to that. And part of that is just to assume everybody's motives are just terrific. How do you deal with the down parts?
0: Because we all see Bob as as Bob, which is the life of the party, hugging everybody. There's got to be points when you're in the room and you go, ah, I was kind of sick of that guy. Because we all have sort of our anti, you know, or our alter ego. What have you learned about yourself or how do you navigate that?
1: Part of it is knowing these voices, almost like picking your better angels um, and listening to who's speaking. So oftentimes I'll say something somewhere and I'll be saying to myself, oh, that wasn't a very good job, or I'll forget to say something that mattered to me. And part of it for me is just to say, like, I'm just not looking for applause. I'm, I just want to be a faithful guy. If I was 20 years old and could melt people's faces with a Stratocaster, <laughs> I'd want to be popular. <laughs> uh, but I'm not. I'm 58. I, I just want to be faithful. Mm. Like, I just want to be a person you can count on. I say I'll be there, I'll be there, and I'll bring all the game I've got. It might not be much, but I'll bring everything i got. And so I don't want to fail for lack of effort. It's just that I just didn't have the wattage to do any better. So sometimes I have to ask them myself in times of some reflection, like, where's that coming from? And oftentimes it finds its root in just being insecure, like Tigger. Like, literally, I just go bouncing. I'm like, everything's great. But actually, some of the stuff that, some of that messaging you get, that's just like eight-year-old Bob who like was so desiring the approval of this person or this person. And I go like, wow, that kid is still looking for the approval Mm. of somebody who isn't even alive anymore. Like literally there's, I I just know what that was. And I don't understand the psychology behind it, but it'd be really helpful to understand in your own leadership track, where's that coming from? Mm. Like, Don't get stuck in an eddy of introspection, but a little bit of just knowing What's the return address? I get junk mail by the foot. But what I check is, do I know who it's from? And if I don't know who it's from, I don't read it. And I think sometimes I'll find myself, maybe some of the people listening are reading the junk mail and go like, that is not from Jesus. He's not saying those things about you. You're saying, and and it might be, could come across them honestly, but to just, uh, this part of renewing yourself is to just call that out to say that actually is not a truth and two, I can be um, self-effacing. I'll just say things, that, but those are not truths about me. So I'm trying to be like a little bit pickier about what I say, even about myself, to mm-hmm. say, instead of being like trying to divert attention and say something self-effacing, and you go like, that actually isn't accurate at all. So I'm trying to just be pickier and just give airtime to just say things that are true. I was in the deep South. This was years ago, and I spoke at a place, And I called Sweet Marie and she said, how did it go? And I said, I think it went great because a woman came up to me and said, bless your heart. She's like, oh, buddy, you got shanked. Like literally, that does not mean you're awesome in the South. That means like you totally screwed it up. And so uh, that idea to have people know that you're going to actually say things that you mean, that you won't say... Things you don't mean. You won't say, "I'll pray for you" when you aren't going to. You won't say something just to be polite that you aren't going to actually follow through on. And we talked about it a little bit. idea, How you doing? Then think through. Do a roll call. Say, "How about the each of the people that are most important in my life? Do I know how they're doing? Because if they're doing good, I'm doing good. But the fact is, oftentimes I don't know, and I can fix that with a quick call. Mm-hmm. And so, the, you turn these things. It could be routine. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I'm doing great. With these quick calls to your kids, your wife, to say, I wanna give them an accurate answer. Tell me how you're doing and I'll tell them how I'm doing. And that's just been to just kind of use that and to stay present. A lot of us, I can just speak for every man on earth, we're great at being proximity to one another, but not Mm -hmm. actually present Mm -hmm. with each other. We're thinking about 10 other things that are going on. And so I'm just trying to do that in my life to just actually be present, like I'm all here right now. I'm not thinking about what just happened, not what's going to happen. It's just a couple friends together, talking together. That's huge. I mean, I think as, you know, as we are leading
2: teams, organizations, families, it's easy to just get worn down or you, you start carrying it all, you know? So are there any tools or practices or is it just a matter of I mean, for you, it's just a matter of sitting <laughs> sitting down somewhere. I mean, what does that practice look like for you, and, and how might that
1: help another leader? I would think uh, some of it is situationally. Like, so, for instance, if you're a leader that isn't married yet, I would spend a lot of time, if that is something that you're going to do, you think getting married, I'd be really picky about who you get married to. Sure. Because if you pick the right person... I mean, you just figured out 85% of your life. And if you picked the wrong person, you just figured out 95% Mm. of your life. Mm. Because you'll spend all your time blowing this tire up that's got a hole in it, right? (laughs) And so this idea of being like super picky about that. And if you are married, then be picky about some of the people that you surround yourself in, the workplace and other things. I'm a hugger with everybody except all these gals at work at Love Does because it'd be creepy if I'm like hugging them all the time. So what I do is I just give them blessings. I like I don't even know what they are, <laughs> but it's like duck, duck, goose around there. But like, w- bef- literally every time I walk in, to just say it worked in the Old Testament, I'm like, to just tell them, just pause for a moment, say, you're a woman of virtue. This mm-hmm. is a, literally one thing that I appreciated about your, your loyalty this week, how you had my back. So just having that intentionality to just pause for a moment. And it's not a card trick. It's that you just pause to say, like, wow, what a treat that we get to. And there's some people that aren't with us anymore. So It wasn't like we ran them out of town, but just they didn't have that whatever it was that synced up and kind of represented who we were and how we do things. So you do that with graciousness and all that, but with resolve. To say, like, I'm actually going to be very picky about who... We're doing life with. And if you could be that way with your circle of friends, with the people, just super intentional. You're not sizing people up. Only undertakers do that. Hmm. What we're trying to do is to see who is it that we're moving in the same direction of, that we want to build a kingdom and not get wrapped around the axle trying to build agreement about hmm. everything. Talk about
0: the, uh, <clears throat> the dream, dream Workshop, Dream Academy, the things you're launching and yeah. you have launched, because it's those actually are really exciting.
1: A grandpa. Uh, 1.0, right? Instead of me being in Tallahassee and Cleveland and Buffalo, um, I thought, what if we bring the party to San Diego? Not a bad place. Absolutely. Uh, So that's what we do. We have people come and we visit for a day and a half. And then the fun part is what happens afterwards. We just stay in touch. So there was a young lady that came and her big ambition, she wanted to be a speaker. So the last event I went to, I just brought her out on stage. I held hands with her, brought her out on stage. I'm like, go 2000 people here. Just amazing. Yeah. So she didn't have to talk about what she hoped to do someday. So now we're talking about what just happened. So that idea, what if we were hoping for other people, what we're hoping for ourselves? Mm. And so what I'm the big winner in this thing, I get to like, kind of find out what somebody's hoping for and then say, what are the next steps, not all the steps, but what's the next thing you're going to do. And then we get to touch bases about it. It's been kind of fun. And people, they can register for that. I mean,
0: it's, you do have a limited number of spots, yeah, but yeah. they can, it's not like it's reserved for only a few
1: people. I mean, this is available for anyone who wants to yeah, it's been be kind part of, of it fun for us. And then we, uh, I think we're just learning. We're just trying to mix up. The first thing we used to do, we called it, it was Love Does, and I rented the Tacoma Convention Center. Literally put up the house as collateral. And I (laughs) I didn't tell Sweet Maria. But we uh, charged everybody a ton of money to go, and then we threw all the money in this big bowl. And then we told everybody, if you need some money, I mean, there's a a lot of it in there. And if you want to put in some, you can, or take some, whatever you want. We're giving it all away anyway. Mm -hmm. And then we left it out overnight for the convention center staff. It was awesome. It was just, we get to create our own economy. We did the next one we called Living Room. And we said, there's like you could fit maybe 30 people in our living room, like 60 if they were all standing and squished like sardines. So we said like you know, 10 o'clock on Thursday, you can sign up, and 850 people <laughs> signed up in four minutes. And so we had the 60 come over, and we hung out. I didn't tell them who was going to play, who was going to speak. It was like this idea that Jesus invites us on an adventure, and we kind of keep turning it into a business trip, and he keeps saying, like, let's turn it back into an adventure. That's back to ambiguity, mm-hmm. like it, Like foxes have holes. Yeah. yeah, people came. What we did for everybody else, we rented the House of Blues in uh, Disneyland. <laughs> and all, everybody showed up there, and I bought them all tickets to Disneyland. So we did the breakout sessions in Disneyland. So if you want to talk about your future, there was a speaker in Tomorrowland.
0: And amazing. if you want to
1: talk about your biggest fear, there was somebody at the Haunted Mansion. Propaganda was in the Magic Castle. Danielle Strickland, who works with the homeless, she was on Main Street. It was awesome. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, so that idea, it's just, just that uh, winsome approach to whatever you do. And it's usually just a quarter of a twist. So then that would be for your leaders to think, what are you doing? And if you gave it a quarter of a twist, what would you do? That's how they make wine. Do you know that's what they do? they go into the cellar, give it a twist. What happens is the sediment... Sticks to the glass. That's how you have clear wine. Just keep giving it a quarter twist. Mm. And if you could just keep doing that, we're not looking for efficiency. I'm not trying to be efficient in the way that I love Sweet Maria. I'm trying to be available. If we could do that and lose right. all the green rooms. I mean, I can't picture Jesus sitting in a green room eating a Snickers bar. <laughs> Um, He would just be with people. And if people aren't your thing, then find something else to do. Yeah. Give us an update on what your community has been doing
0: in Africa because it's really exciting.
1: Yes, next stop is Congo. There's uh, this long history of Congo. Uh, There's uh, King Leopold, and uh, 15 million people died. It was just this horrible thing a century ago. Well, his great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandson has moved back into Congo to win back the family name. Is that Mm. awesome? You know what his name is? Emmanuel. No way. That's awesome. So we're going to start a school there. We're literally putting speakers on the bottom of helicopters flying over the jungle and inviting these 70 warring rebel groups to send all their kids to the school. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) Can you imagine parent-teacher conferences? It's going to be so rowdy. (laughs) Yeah. But that idea to fail, trying. I just give it a whirl. A bad day is not trying. A bad day isn't to have one of my silly ideas, like not work. It's just not to give it a whirl and see what might happen. Knowing that we're not looking for a bunch of applause. We're just trying to be like kind of like a feather in the balance. Is there any way we could prove a concept and then somebody smarter, more organized could come along and do a better job with it. And next time I'm taking the malaria meds, literally, I could have avoided getting malaria for a nickel pill and a half a glass of water. It cost me 180 grand. <laughs> oh my god! <goodness. laughs> That's not really
0: something you wish for your friends. But it's a know.
1: great weight loss program. <laughs> 25 pounds. Literally, you forget all these Oprah diets. Just get malaria. Just get malaria. Yeah, oh, hook you up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I want to sign up for that one. Yeah. But a lot of the, I got back from Uganda, and I went to nine cities before I got home. And I just, each city, I was getting more and more tired. And I didn't know I had malaria. I just thought I was tired, just worn out. And I could say like that, just the parallels to our lives, that we're just, some of us have seasons where we're just worn out. Galatians 6, this idea that not to grow weary of doing good, but in the right season, if we don't give up. And so part of it is I've got a pretty solid work ethic. And I think that might be my growing edge to just say, you know, it isn't like, am I able to do it? It's like, uh, am I made to do it? Mm -hmm. Because I'm able to be a lawyer and actually pretty good at it, but I'm not made to be a lawyer. I'm able to go talk at a bunch of things, but you know what I'm made to be? With Sweet Maria. Um, And so with her blessings that I'll go do this, knowing that the next season for the two of us is just going to be with these grandkids. So to use who you're becoming to inform who you are. And then just get real about syncing it up. Like just that idea, just like sync up the audio track in your life with a video track. (laughs) Because if people see us doing all this stuff, and you want to be the same person on the surface that you are 30 feet deep. And if there's ever a disconnect, then don't feel bad about it. But I just say sync it up again. I loved hearing you and Maria were both on Carrie Newhoff's podcast. And one of the things
0: she said was that she's sort of like Homeland Security (laughs) and you're the Secret Service or you're the UN or you're... So she's describing her role as she leans towards protecting the house and building the house and you're leaning towards like going out and doing crazy stuff. Yes. It was such a great way to hear her describe you all's marriage in that allowing you to be who you are is the best way for her to actually release you to be the best version of you, and vice versa.
1: And then to, like, uh, uh, if I'm going to Somalia and Maria asks me where I'm going, I just say, Africa. And it's like a don't ask, don't tell, right? And same thing with Congo or something. So she'll know that we just don't talk about it. And then when I get back, then we'll, like, say, talk about how it's going. And that wouldn't be her first pick, but she wants, she loves me so much, she wants me to be the man that God's made me to be. And I love her enough. I want her to be the woman God's made her to be. And if somebody needs a change, it'll be me. Mm. And I I bet if you ask her the same thing, she'd go, oh yeah, if somebody needs a change, i change. And so that idea of extravagant love means being willing to change. We're not trying to find fair because fair is a bad day, right? You just want what you want to do is this faithful, this committed. Mm. When our kids were old enough to uh, start dating, especially Lindsay. I told her, like, when a guy asks you out on a date, just ask him, what's your definition of love? And because they're guys, they won't know. So like, <laughs> go home and figure that out. And then as soon as you know, come and ask me out on a date, tell me what it is, and I'll tell you if I'll go. And if they say it's like, Butterflies, you know, like you can get that from bad pizza. <laughs> but but love is sacrifice and commitment. It's that easy. Sacrifice and commitment. And if they don't get the sacrifice and commitment, just still go out, it, but it's just dinner and a movie. So if you find people and surround yourself with people who have the same understanding of what love is, you'll do terrific things. It's not a pop quiz, but they just show it in their life. They understand it involves sacrifice and it involves commitment. And then just do a bunch of that so good if I'm being honest I go Bob are you for real <laughs> <laughs> you know like I go
2: where does this come from for you you know I think that it's inspiring and I go for leaders that are maybe listening and going I need to tap into that freedom that sense of generosity and graciousness
1: and love where does one start there's a friend that a lot of us have in common, and uh, it's Al Andrews. And he's got this outfit in the Nashville area called Porter's Call. And I asked him, like, what's the name of the porter? Like, what's a, I think of that as like a Sherpa who carries my latte machine to the top of Everest. <laughs> but a porter in the Benedictine tradition meets people at the gate each day and says, how can I help you on your way? And I think if we just realize that we're just porters, and that the Sherpas, we have a place in uh, Nepal that we spend a lot of time and the uh, Sherpas don't tell the hikers what hill to go up. They just find it whatever hill you want to go up and most of the time the Sherpas just tell them what they don't need to take. Like literally you don't need to carry all the stuff up the hill and so there'll be a pile of tons of all the equipment they thought they needed to go up the hill. And a wise Sherpa just says, you don't need that. <laughs> mm. And, and then you pick your hill. We'll go up it with, together. Mm. And I think that we're part porter and part Sherpa. We just go and we greet people at the gate. We say, how can I help you on your way? Like, it just, is there anything I could do to be helpful to you? And then in leadership, we're part Sherpa. And we say, you just pick your hill, but you don't need to carry all that stuff that you've been carrying, all the guilt, all the, this false sense of like, you need to control this kind of thing. And so that's what I want, wise Sherpas in my life, wise porters that will greet me. They'll say, where do you want to go? And part of it is just knowing what you want. Mm. Like, what do you want? If you want a Porsche, just get it out there. I want a Porsche. (laughs) You're not going to get one, but just like get it out there, (laughs) you know? So if you could just get real about what you want and then to kind of upgrade from there to say, well, what if we want something more? Like, yeah. I want to do things that last, not a bunch of stuff that just worked. Pet rocks worked for a while until hmm. people figured out I just spent 35 bucks on a <laughs> rock.
0: Right. right. So you did it it last.
1: But loving people lasts. It doesn't always work the way that you thought it would, but extravagant love, it becomes a rhythm in your life that you're just saying, I'm just going to give it away, not expecting that I'm going to get this echo back each time, but I'll just release that, and it goes where it goes. And there's some evenings I just feel like I did an okay job at that, and other times not, but I'm just not going to let those lesser voices start speaking to me because I don't think Jesus says, like, you really screwed that up, like that you could have done better. I think there's things to be learned, but I just I'm really picky about the voices that I'm letting kind of direct me, and it, both tons of humility, knowing I could have probably done better, and where do I go? Forget where I've been, but where I'm headed. How can I do that? Is a, the next humblest version of me. My best Bob story
0: is that he a couple of years ago sent a package to the Catalyst team, and we didn't know what it was, but it was a fairly large box. We opened it up.
1: And there were twelve ducks. <laughs> yes, I ducked you. You <laughs> got ducked.
0: It said you've been ducked. Or yeah. you got ducked. First of all, the surprise of getting baby ducks, live baby ducks, no real ducks. Yeah, real ducks, live baby ducks. Oh, I'm thinking the, chocolate ducks no, 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 or something. No. Live mm-hmm. baby ducks in the mail in a box. Oh my gosh! So we had like our own little duck farm for <laughs> totally. several weeks I in the office. I saw some
1: pictures of you sitting there playing. <laughs> They're really mesmerizing. And ducks are pretty cool because they go through adolescence in like four days. Yeah. <laughs> and then they just like fly away. We, awesome. ended up, we ended
0: up giving them to a lady who had a, had some farm land and a pond, and
1: they're still out there. We they- released these ducks for, I mean, we've done hundreds and hundreds. We just, we raise them in the backyard. We used to incubate them as eggs, and then they'd hatch, and the kids would have a blast. And that wonder. Like to just say, I wonder what would happen if, and that's where every great caper starts with this idea of what if we, Mm -hmm. and that's when the music changes. And so to the point of this syncing up your audio and video track, find the right music score for your life, right? To just say like, this is where it gets really good. Living in constant anticipation. It's not just brain candy, but just living in anticipation of what's going to happen. That's the Axe Church. They were living in constant anticipation, having their minds blown, but just saying, I wonder what's going to happen. Didn't those words burn? That's what I want. That kind of engaged life. Thanks for sitting down yeah, and having thanks a conversation. You. Good being thanks. with you guys. Thanks a bunch. Bob Goff.
0: Amazing. Yes. I mean, how many nuggets was in that? Every time I'm around Bob, I usually fill up pages of Moleskine's. Yeah funny not funny story but the first time I went and hung out at his place up in British Columbia which is sort of legendary yeah and it's the lodge he allowed me to come up and spend several days working on a book okay and it was just an unbelievable place to write there's certain places when you're so inspired. But I was there was this tension of I'm here to write a book that I've got an outline for and I'm, you know, focused and I'm driven and I gotta get pages done. And I gotta get this thing completed. And here I am getting to be around one of the greatest droppers of nuggets, <laughs> of life nuggets ever. I'm going back and forth between chapter seven of the Catalyst Leader. And a new chapter of Bobisms. Right. We're sitting around having dinner, and he drops just 20 or 30 of these amazing, like nuggets, and I'm putting them in the moleskin. And it's like you're trying to get rid of water in the bathtub, but yet you're still pouring water in. Taking it in still. Yeah. So I've got pages still in moleskins of every time I'm around Bob that. He has these little Bobisms. Yeah. I mean, they truly are. They're Bobisms. Yeah. They're things that you can start to hook into your life that will really help you. Yeah. There's
2: so many in this interview where he shares that perspective and you just start to see how that is playing out in so many different circumstances in life. It's just incredible. I mean, one of the things that came out that I thought was really cool, and I want to hear your thoughts about it, is his comment about 100% kindness, 0% drama. So good. I mean, like how much ego
0: has to be out of
2: the equation in order to be experiencing that? And most
0: organizations, if we're honest, most people in organizations, in many ways, create their persona and their reason for existence based on drama.
2: Exactly. What
0: what do you talk about in the break room? Yes. What do you talk about on the phone call? Right. I do this quite often. I'll listen to people's conversations on on a Sitting in a Sky Club in an airport mm-hmm. is a great place to start listening to people's conversations and just start taking a survey of what are they talking about if they're talking to a coworker, Right. Not a spouse, you know, not like friends, but they're having a business call with a coworker. You know what they're usually talking about? Drama. They're usually talking about the people issues that come with drama within an organization. Mm-hmm. So when Bob says 100% kind is 0% drama, that's a pretty good, like, outline for a really well-run organization that I want to be part of.
2: No doubt. And he's got a bunch of these. I mean, one of the other things that he had mentioned was this idea about living in anticipation, embracing the sense of the adventure and uh, and all that that entails. I guess for a guy who has a high tolerance for ambiguity, that That may be cool. But I got to imagine there's a ton of you leaders listening to this who are more type A, who feel like you're in the trenches doing the day-to-day, that that ambiguity may not sit well with you. Yep. So I love the idea and the challenge to just be, I
0: don't know, raising our anticipation and expectation every day. Presence within proximity mm-hmm. It's another one that Bob says quite a bit. Just because you're in proximity doesn't mean you're actually present. Just because you're sitting in the same room doesn't mean you're actually listening to the person that you're sitting across from. Yep. The other one that I've mentioned in the interview that has been so powerful for me is this idea of pulling your boat up next to other people's boats and just putting the... The uh, little the, bumper, the in, little there. bumper yeah, yeah. in between the boats. Yeah. You don't have to all be on the same boat. You just pull your boats up next to each other. Right. Put the bumper out, and you just cruise alone together. And, and that's a great, I think, visual of partnership. We don't have to all be in the same boat, but we're moving our boats in the same direction because we took that little rope and put it across, and we put the bumper in the middle and said, let's float together for a while. Right. The other thing we mentioned in the interview, which... Some of you may be interested in is the Dream Big Framework, which is a workshop that Bob now does. And yeah. if you're interested in that, you can go to dreambigframework.com, check out more on that workshop that Bob does in San Diego. I know it sells out really quick, so if you're interested, you know whatever the next one is, get in there fast. And then BobGoff.com is all things Bob, Bob Goff. All Things Bob Goff at bobgoff.com. That's the place to go. If you're looking for real estate in Bob Goffville, where do you go for that? Well, that's uh, that's the hidden site <laughs> on the Alta Vista website. So <laughs> yeah, just check out GeoCities Alta Vista. Right. You yes. know he does a parade every year on New Year's Day really? in their neighborhood. Look that up sometime. You'll you'll get a kick out of it.
2: Next time we have Bob on this show, and I believe there will be a next time, I'm going to ask him where these ideas come from.
0: They're being curated down in the depths, <laughs> 12 layers below, of Gothville. There's a crack team of, of creatives down right. in 12 stories below ground in Gothville, where Crazy. all the ideas bubble up. So thanks again, Bob Goff, for being part of the Thrive community, multiple-time speaker at Thrive Conference, Thrive Podcast. Bob's a friend and... We appreciate what he does and who he is. So pay attention to what he's doing because I'm sure he'll have a new book coming out sometime soon Very soon, that we'll all want to read. So thanks for being a part. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being on this journey with us. And if you want to hear more incredible interviews, like
2: the one we've just had with Bob, be sure to subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it. That will be incredibly helpful to us and to this community. And then if you want to reach us by email, you can, you can reach us at podcast at thriveconference.org. Until next time,
0: this is the Thrive Leadership Podcast. The Thrive Leadership Podcast is hosted by CJ Alvarado and Brad Lominick and is produced by Kip Johns. To download and share this and other Thrive podcasts, go to thriveconference.org.